Welcome everybody. I am Rachel Levy-Lesser. And I am Stephanie Goldstein. And this is Life's Accessories, a podcast about accessories, clothing, fashion, and the stories behind them. We are two friends who love to accessorize and who remember what we wore on pretty much every meaningful occasion. And that is what we love to talk about. You can follow us on Instagram at Life's Accessories Podcast and also on Facebook. You can also email us at lifesaccessoriespodcast at gmail.com with comments, questions, or, and we love this, accessory suggestions. Those are our favorite kind of suggestions. They are. And if you like what you're listening to, we would love it for you to share this podcast with a friend and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, do not forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Today, listeners, I'm very excited to tell you that we are going to be talking to Shane Riley. I can't wait to meet Shane because, Rachel, you've talked a lot about her, and so our listeners know who Shane is. Shane Riley is a serial entrepreneur in the design space. After starting her career in marketing, she opened her own bi-coastal interior design firm and designed luxury homes in New York and San Francisco for founders and investors in the tech industry. Her first online business, Decorati, was a marketplace for trade-only interior design brands, and it was acquired by Guilt Group in New York. I do know Shane. She is a friend of mine from business school, and it's funny because obviously she did well in business school because she knows her business. She was paying attention. Yeah. Although actually, I don't know if either of us were, we were sort of like the creative type <laughs> sitting in finance and accounting, but we got through it together. I love the second online business. Gildery was a custom fabric and pillow printing business acquired by Minted in San Francisco. And I have some of her pillows behind me in my office, which I love. Love it. She's now working on a third venture, Objet, which is a line of decorative weights, meaning sculptures and accessories for the home or office that are designed to lift. Isn't that cool? So like workout weights, workout weights, but they look like things you would put on your sculpture. Right. Right. Like modern art sort of. It's kind of an amazing idea. That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. Shane lives in the Bay area in California with her husband and three children. Hi Shane. And welcome to life's accessories. Hello. So good to have you here. Thanks for joining us, Shane. So I have the distinct honor of asking you the question of the day. Which is, tell us which accessory you'd like to share with us. Sure. The accessory I'm going to share with you is a blanket. It's a throw blanket, something you might put on your sofa or on your bed. And the reason why it's special to me is not because of the design. Well, I love home decor and all things beautiful design because the artwork on the blanket is actually a painting of a fish that my then four-year-old daughter did many years ago. But the reason why it's special to me is because it was the first sample that we made at my second startup called Gildery, where we had to super quickly create a an application for fabric designers to be able to upload artwork and print their own products on our high-end linens and blankets and things. And it was something that I had to get out the door super fast and it kind of changed the direction of the business. So I've always kept this blanket around, A, because it's useful, I guess, but we have other blankets that represents this moment in time when I really had to work hard and figure out how to produce this new technology. And I had to do a lot of it myself at the time. 
And so the only artwork I had was my daughter's artwork. And so therefore I produced the blanket using it. It's really incredible. So essentially this blanket and the process, your daughter's blanket that she made with her art just inspired the whole thing. Does she know that? Does she understand that? And is is she like, wow, it was part of my mom's success with that venture? It was more that we were building a platform for artists and designers to be able to produce their own fabrics. So we had a lot of home decor artists. So for example, if they create patterns that go on pillows and lampshades and bedspreads and such, and we were breaking into the fashion market, we were starting to have fashion designers also start to use the platform. My daughter was too young. She wasn't a participant. It's just that I grabbed her artwork and I used it to be the first sample on this new publishing platform. Well, good thing it was her artwork and not some like random, I don't know, something you found on the street. Exactly. Can I take our listeners back a little bit? Because it's clear we read your bio before and you definitely have a passion for interior design. Was this something that you've always had your whole life? Where does this come from? I've always been a creative person and I've taken a lot of art classes and did a lot of art up through college. Then I sort of discovered that I loved furniture and interior design and just became a self-student of the topic, I guess you would say, and read about it, everything I could about it. And then coming out of business school, actually, I started taking on interior design projects for tech entrepreneurs and investors that were setting up homes in San Francisco and kind of wanted a different approach to interior design, get things done faster, more price transparency, et cetera. So I set up a design firm to address that and taught myself how to pull the project together. And was that Decorati? It was what led to Decorati. So I did. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And then got super frustrated with how slow moving the industry was and how hard it was to find information, even just find the available products to purchase for these projects that I was doing. And so that was led to the idea of Decorati and some of my clients became my first investors. Let me just say that I knew Shane back in the day. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So uh, this was a big get for me. Uh, Shane and I went to business school together. We went to University of Michigan business school together. We ended up in the same section. And I always call Shane my B school BFF because we were two creatives in a world where nobody else was creative. Not nobody, but a lot of people weren't. So we kind of studied together throughout business school. And I can tell you all listeners that Shane was already working on her decorating business when she was in business school. And I do remember shortly after business school, this was a big deal. It was 2003. Mm -hmm. She appeared on HGTV and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Well, tell us about that. What was the appearance? What did you do? I did a few shows for HGTV, which, you know, the at the time was fun and, and an honor and stuff, but now I kind of consider them sort of my nudie photos. I don't even know if they still have them. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm sure the designs were terrible and the content was cheesy and I just assume sort of forget about it. And you know, it was funny. It was before everybody watched HGTV all the time. It was, right. it was when right. HGTV was kind of like an obscure channel. Do you know what I mean? I love yeah. it. I love it. I yeah. was more interested in being on it because I was thinking about making a show and I worked on a show for a bit. So I just... I don't know. Anyway, that's right. We all have our reasons for posing for things. We don't really want to be known for later in life. Exactly. (laughs) Like when I appeared on the NBC 10 show in Philadelphia, nobody Googled that. Yeah. (laughs) What was that topic? It was about a book, but it was just like a really cheesy appearance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, That's all right. That's all right. We digress. So you started to get into the whole Decorati thing. You were decorating for clients in tech in San Francisco right after business school, which I'm sure was a really fun time and exciting. And you were working hard, but how did this concept come to you to create Decorati from that experience? 
Sure. Well, at the time, there was nothing online in the high-end design world. In fact, I mean, this is like pre-Facebook, even if I'm going to date myself. And so the companies, the family businesses and small businesses that produce these beautiful objects that you would see all the time in Architectural Digest or El Decor, there was no way to access those products unless you were with a designer and you would walk into a showroom in a major city. That was pretty much how you accessed it. And so what you started seeing was this demand for more information, you know, photographs, product information, just more accessed information, even if you're not going to get help, even if you're still going to buy through a designer. And so I really started getting curious about the problem of search. Like you just, you couldn't understand the world of objects that were available to you unless you again, physically set foot in one of these design centers. So that was really the idea behind Decorati. So we literally hit the pavement and called on all of the high-end to the trade only furniture manufacturers and ask them for their catalog. And the pitch was, look, we're going to put a website together that has all the best products available. So designers can come here and search and maybe consumers will as well. That's, that's kind of a new concept, but let's get all the product together and solve the problem for search. And that's how we set up. That's how we started. That's incredible. So then you ultimately sold the business to guilt group. And what was that process like for you? How did you decide? All right. It's time we've brought it to a certain place. And were you drawn to something else? And you're like, all right, I got to get rid of this so I can do the next thing. It was an interesting time. That was when the internet and e-commerce were really starting to take off and become more mainstream. And I would say, which is common, fashion was leading the charge. So clothing and apparel was starting to fly off the shelves, the literal e-commerce shelves. <laughs> right. And right. so companies like Guild Group and others started to look at, well, what's the next big wave of growth? And they looked at the home industry as a potential and that could even potentially outgrow apparel. And so it was just a good right place, right time. There actually were a few companies interested. We ended up having a bit of a bidding war, which was a nice place to be. And we were excited to go with Guild Group. I joined the home team there and was flying back and forth between California and New York. What fun. I remember that. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. Okay, we're moving on. Company number two. We have to squeeze this all in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mentioned in the intro about your company called Gildery, which relates to the blanket because of the printing for the fabrics, because I have sitting behind me in my office, two of your beautiful pillows that I love. And people ask me about them all the time. And I'm so proud to tell them that my friend started this company. So how did the idea of Gildery come to you after you already started and then sold Decorati? Well, I was working on some ideas myself, uh, trying to figure out what might be a scalable way to help consumers understand what I know about putting colors together and pattern and fabric and such. So I was kind of working on my own. Then fortunately, uh, a friend introduced me to the ex-co-founder of Tiny Prince. um, And he and I got together and uh, brought his technical chops and my knowledge of fabric and color and stuff. And we started working together really quickly once we met and we built the platform together. That's so cool. Because I used to describe your company, this company as like, You could hire an interior designer. You could go to a custom fabric store and pick out these one-of-a-kind fancy prints Mm -hmm. and they would make pillows for a bajillion dollars. And I'd be like, that's how much I paid for a pillow. Or just the cover, just the cover, just to cover, just to cover. No exactly. stuffing, no stuffing. And then yeah. I'd be like, okay, it'll be a tiny pillow. And, <laughs> but then the other option was essentially, and nothing against this because I have a lot in my house, is like say a pottery barn or West Elm, which are lovely pillows, but everyone has the same one, right? Right. 
I'm thinking like apothecary table, that episode from Friends. So I felt like if I could advertise for you, Gildery was this idea of custom fabrics, but at a more reasonable price. Is that right? Absolutely. So it was a, a platform where we were licensing artwork from pattern designers mm-hmm. and then making it customizable. So we you could change the color, you could change a variety of things about how the pattern uh, laid out. You could change the fabric. You could change what it was printed on. And then we were merchandising them in sets. So to your point, Rachel, it's hard to know sometimes what goes together, but also what's not too matchy matchy and what's mm-hmm. not too much the same as your neighbor. So we were manually and also with algorithms putting together sets of things that we knew were going to look great together and then printing on demand. So it was an inventory free business. All right. Can we just discuss the fact that, okay, you are, we've introduced you as a serial entrepreneur, which you are very clearly. And I'm just in awe of that whole, you have these ideas and you bring them to life. Now I sit in my house and I'll be like, oh, I have an idea. And then nothing happens. How do you go from that idea to making it happen? Tell us about that process. Sure. Well, thank you for asking. Um, Look, I mean, there there are some things that I find really interesting. Obviously, I love home. I love style. You know, there, there are categories of things that I, I enjoy, and I enjoy looking at them from multiple angles. So, I mean, now I'm working on my third business and basically the home or lifestyle space. But to answer your question about how you get it going, I, I think you just have to be obsessed with an idea or mm-hmm. a problem. And like with Gildery, what we were just talking about, I was obsessed with this idea about you know, how can you create a color coordinated room? There's got to be a way to do this. Like I can do it in my head, but how can I make it scalable and actually make it producible Mm -hmm. for the end user? And just by tackling it and thinking about the different components of a successful outcome, uh, what do you need to get from A to B? And you don't have all the answers. You don't know whether you're building a platform or a service or a product sometimes, but just really thinking about the problem you're trying to solve and being obsessed with you know, solving it, I think you yeah. motivate you <laughs> to take action. Thank you for that. And then you, you, you started Objet, which is your most recent. And so what an interesting concept. How did you tell us about it and how that concept came to be? If you're following at home, we're on business number three. Yeah, and before we right. get to that, let right. me just brag about my friend Shane <laughs> from section two at business school. Gildery was sold to Minted. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now we can move on. (laughs) Thank you, Rachel. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) It's along the same thread of what I was saying, which is I come from a background in design. So I spend a lot of my time thinking about these things, following people, understanding brands, knowing how objects go together in a room. So I already have that context. And so what happened with Objet was it was during the pandemic and I was at my desk and stood up from a Zoom call and literally tripped over the dumbbells that I was storing under my desk and got irritated that I tripped over them because of course I was running late to somewhere as usual. And um, I started thinking like, why are these under my desk? They should be on my desk, but they can't be on my desk because they're ugly. It sort of triggered this idea about, well, I know how to make things beautiful either myself or I know people who do. There's got to be a solution here. So you know, back to your earlier question, it was just all about, I then became obsessed with the idea of like, well, what is a dumbbell? What are the components? What would look better? What would I be willing to have on my desk or on my shelf? And then what led me to this whole other new chapter I'm super excited about, which is 
a really big deep dive on on wellness and you know what it what it means to be healthy in midlife and beyond and you know part of that too was getting really freaked out the more i learned about <laughs> midlife and especially women and menopause and brain health and how important it is to lift weights it just sort of fueled this desire to understand more mm -hmm. Uh, and then feed it back into the idea of like, okay, well, I'm going to, I want to make a physical object. Let's get on that and, journey. <laughs> and we'll post for our listeners so that they can see what an objet looks like, but do you, will you just describe to them? Sure. Thank Absolutely. You. Yeah. So the idea was, I, I knew I wanted to make something that looked like sculpture and I'm not a sculpture artist again. So I, I was really leaning on all the things that I've I've seen and notes and photos. I have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of Pinterest boards. I'm a big Pinterest fan. You can't see them because they're all private. <laughs> Mostly I just started pulling on all the things that I, I have in my past and just said, okay, so if it was going to be a sculpture, what should it be? And I went through a few different iterations of how to start. And once I realized how hard it was to make a physical product, because of course I had a hundred ideas right away, I realized I actually need to come up with one. <laughs> so that was the hardest part was picking the first shape. It needed to be significant enough and universal that enough people would like it and the right shape and all this stuff. So I just, you know, started going down that path and really just started with sketches of my own and looked at a lot of other uh, actual artists and sculpture that's out there and just mm -hmm. pulled all those ideas together, landed on a shape that was inspired by a Mobius swirl, which is an infinite loop. It's, it's yeah. like if you a strip of paper and twisted it and taped the two sides together, you would uh, end up with a a Mobius swirl and then adjusted it from there. So it was comfortable to pick up. Well, I'm the proud owner of an object <laughs> because Shane sent one to me and I love it. And <laughs> I think it's such a fabulous idea. And I was lucky enough to be behind the scenes when I know Shane has something brewing in her head when she texts me or calls me and is like, do you lift weights? Like, what do you think about weightlifting? <laughs> you know? And um, I think it's interesting. I mean, the story of how you thought about it is fabulous that you literally like tripped over something and were like, oh, I have right. an idea. Like it just hit you. But um, it's interesting that it came about, I would say during this time of the pandemic where everybody was, a lot of people, I should say, were working from home. They were on Zoom and there were memes and jokes about it that, you know, somebody would be sitting like on their Peloton bike doing a Zoom call because, you were working and you were working out and you were living all in the same space. So I feel like there's a connection there. And I've heard you mention the term wellness decor when having to talk about object because it's wellness and it's decor. Did you make up wellness decor? Like, what is that? Can you tell us about it? That whole space? Yeah. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I cause I, cause I've never heard that term before. Right. I love it. I mean, I've heard of yeah, wellness decor too. in terms of like you know, the treadmill is used to like hang clothes on because nobody's using it, right? <laughs> Something like that. I think it might be a newish term um, because I think it's, I think it's, it's in the future. We're not quite there yet. And I just believe that home will follow the trends of fashion and fashion has become more about athleisure and having clothes that you can move in that make you healthier because you choose these clothes over the button up silk blouses. Maybe we were all wearing some time ago. I believe that home will go the, will, will follow in similar footsteps and we'll start having objects around our home that make us healthier. Mm -hmm. And it certainly started with, you know, sustainability and, and objects that don't give off chemicals in the air and, you know, healthier fabrics and things like that. And those are all important trends. And to me, what's happened, what's going to happen in the future will be, Things like Obshay and hopefully others where they're because they're around you, you pick them up, you interact with them and you are healthier. 
And you don't have this huge separation from, I go to my office and then I go to my gym and they're in two different places across town, or I bring a big equipment into my home and it's in my living room and it's really ugly. Like I I really feel like Mm -hmm. design will catch up with a lot of what, of how we want to live. And the future is we'll see more and more wellness decor in our homes. Since you've brought it to market, what's the response been? Is it like, oh my gosh, because that's my reaction. That's mine Thank too. You. I walk around the house with my object. Do I'm you? Like, is this cool? Is this well, cool? I'm going to have to yeah. get one. <laughs> Very cool. I I think what has resonated uh, with the people who've tried it is that it feels accessible. So I, it, it's not, you know, we're not saying stop going to the gym or go, don't go do your workout or go to your, see your trainer. This is just, we're on this call. I mean, this whole time we're on this call, we could be lifting. Right? <laughs> yes. Or we could. We could. <laughs> right. You're or you're waiting yep. for a pot to boil, or you're you're having a conversation with your spouse or something like that, where you could be getting in a few reps. And I just think the more you 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 look at the research about how important it is to lift weights, the more you realize you should be incorporating into your day as much as you can. What are your plans <laughs> to grow object? So what I'm working on right now is uh, more shapes and sizes and colors. So the idea is for this to be a collection of objects. Yeah, I think that's important. Having more options for the consumer to choose from is an important step. Also, really trying to connect with the audience and build an audience. We have a lot of people who have objects now. So hearing and seeing more of them in live contexts uh, is really important to building the brand and gaining distribution. So I know nothing about the manufacturing of dumbbells. Did you have to do dumbbell research? Like, what did you have to do to make sure that it would have the sort of same dumbbell effect, if you will? Absolutely. So one of the most important parts of the product actually is the grip. So what separates Mm -hmm. an objet from your average home accessory is that we really researched the shape and the feeling of the grip and also the size so a number of da- number of important factors went into the designing of the grip. And to your question about dumbbells, um, you know, we did a bunch of research on what's the average grip size of dumbbells and what does that need to be for men, women, hands of all sizes. And one of the things, and also getting consumer research. And so one of the things I learned by talking to hundreds of people was that many people, especially if they have smaller hands. So in many cases, that's women, not always, but some dumbbells are just too thick and actually they hurt. They are hard to grip and they can actually hurt your hand. And also actually a lot of people, especially as they age have trouble with grip. So it can be helpful to have a weight where you actually don't even have to hold it with your hand. And Mm -hmm. so that was also one of the reasons why I chose this design to start with. I have some users and friends who are using it by looping it through their arm and still lifting their arm without having to hold it. How about that? It's like a giant weighted bracelet, right? Do they come in different different, um, weights? Right now we have a four pound. We're coming out with new weights and sizes soon. So it could be like nesting objet. Yes. The Russian dolls of the Russian dolls. of Well, so that brings me to my next question. This is fascinating. Do you have different designs planned? Are you thinking about other, you mentioned size of weights, but different colors, different looks, different iterations of that. Absolutely. I have hundreds. (laughs) Coming up with the stuff is not hard. Producing it is I think we knew the answer to that before we (laughs) Rachel asked the question, right? That's a large organization. We would have many more on the show. You mentioned earlier with 
the blanket, right? With your daughter's artwork that helped to start your first venture. Are there any other um, things in your life that have sort of been the, I don't know, the preamble to the prototype? I do have a lot of ideas for other uh, shapes and designs. And I often get those ideas from accessories that I have or have photos of. So I certainly am inspired by all the objects around me. In terms of other idea business, business ideas, um, again, it just comes down to having a problem and obsessing about it. So yes, I already have. I feel like you have enough on your plate on right now. Jade is an idea factory. Yes. Speaking of that, we need to pick your brain because you need to tell us how we can design our own line of life accessories. I talked to you a little bit about this before that, but Stephanie and I want to, for our listeners out there, hopefully one day we interview all these fabulous, interesting people like Shane about a meaningful accessory in their life. And sometimes people ask us about our favorite accessories. So we thought it'd be fun to do our own life's accessories. And I feel really inspired when I talk to you, a person who has brought so many actual products to market. So we need to pick your brain about that. <laughs> That'd be fun. I mean, I, I think everybody should be designing and building something. Okay. Well, Sounds that's good the, to me. That's the lesson for the today. Everybody get back to your drawing board and start designing and building. Okay, Shane, where can our listeners find you and find Objet? You can find Objet at com, which is O-B-S-H-A-Y.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram at shop, which is O-B-S-H-A-Y-S-H-O-P. Very cool. How'd you come up with the name for Objet? Very cool name. Um, it's a play on the French word Objet. Objet, right? Which is... Um, what interior designers would call these type of accessories when they're decorating your home. Just a different spelling there. If anybody wants to start a business, call Shane. Or don't. (laughs) Or or don't. Or don't. She's too busy. Lose your number. Shane's a little busy. Shane's a little busy. And and Shane, this has been just wonderful to to talk with you today. And we'll we'll let you get back to work and to dream up some other businesses because we're sure that's what's going to happen next for you today but um thanks so much for being with us and thank you to our listeners for tuning in and we will see you next time thank you for having me 